Hello. Welcome to the Dark Path Podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming in. Yeah, today I'm, I'm sitting here with George uh, Duclius. Said that right? <laughs> Good. You got that. You got it. All right. George is the CEO and founder of the Jabless Jobs Employment uh, Company, you'd say? Employment We're Services? Non discriminatory employment service. Non discriminatory yeah. employment service. All right, cool. I met George at um, an, uh, an event for Renata Siekman when she was running for the People's Party of Canada candidacy in the Quadra Vancouver riding. And since then, I've been following Jabba's Jobs, and it's quite dramatic growth and popularity. And I uh, thought it would be wonderful to talk to you about it because it seems like a really interesting... And what I expect would be a, a turn in your life you didn't expect, <laughs> that it sort of popped into the possibilities due to the circumstances that came into all of our lives and you're in that sense well yeah I mean I certainly wasn't planning on it um, there's two sides to it I mean it was uh, the, the turn in my life came from uh, having to react to the circumstance that I was put under and the um, entrepreneurial <coughs> side saw it shortly after as an opportunity that was basically gift wrapped to me by the government <laughs> That's interesting. So, did you, are you an entrepreneur generally? Is that previously? No, I am now. You are now. Yeah. So, so is this your first foray to actual? Yeah, really. I've never been a business owner before. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, can I ask what you did before? Well, right before uh, I, oh, I started jobless jobs when I was working in for a small cleaning business here in Vancouver. Hmm. We were cleaning the exteriors of buildings, mostly. Um, Small buildings, uh, small mansions. Well, mansions. <laughs> yeah, sure. Small buildings. Um, yeah. I wasn't doing any of the rope, the climbing, or anything. But uh, there was some ladder work, but it's, you know, cleaning windows, pressure washing, huh? That sort of stuff. That's what I was doing before. Yeah, I've had a lot of jobs like that. Mostly landscaping on my end of things, but I get it. Well, yeah. I mean, let's go back to 2020 when all of this stuff started to happen. <laughs> I know when it first showed up in my life, I was shocked and concerned because it was new information and I didn't know what to make of it. And we we're, you know, I think a lot of people sort of feel that way about it. But then as it kind of carried on, I started seeing that there's holes in this story and there's problems with this and that. And I became more and more concerned. And the thing that actually stimulated me to even start the podcast largely was the vaccine mandates and the idea that your life would be so tied to whether or not you got the vaccine that whether you can make a living or not would be part of that question and that really concerned me because this mm -hmm. is very serious stuff and yeah. has serious ramifications so can you talk about your journey in that way and how you got to make those decisions from 2020 sure well I uh, think I can say that I was mostly like anyone else I was um, uh, a little concerned um, curious um, somewhat entertained and um, uncertain you know, uh, in March of 2020, it was two years ago now. Right? Yeah. I think we just passed the two-year anniversary. We did. We did. This weekend. Yes. Um, I, I've been a news guy in the past, so I, I made sure that I watched every podcast, uh, pardon me, every, every uh, press conference that I could. Mm. Um, and I was working construction here in Vancouver at the time. I was uh, with the drilling division. Mm. And... Um, everyone stopped working except for me <laughs> construction kept going right yeah. uh, I almost ran out of toilet paper but then some <laughs> magically appeared on a shelf at a grocery store and I you know so that was my biggest scare 
Mm. Um, and then uh, I just carried on. I had a best case scenario and a worst case scenario uh, in the first couple weeks of, of COVID. Um, my best case scenario is that we would just sort of go through a little bump like that for a couple weeks and uh, or, or a month and then we'd all go back to normal as it was and it would be look at it as like a uh, 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 what was, I even forget some of those uh, older viruses that went around uh, SARS oh the original you know, one yeah, yeah sure. those early ones yeah. um, that we heard about over the last 20 years and then we just move on you know um, but uh, it, it carried on so I, I had a, my a worst case scenario was that Unfortunately, I think I was right uh, with that one, is uh, that it was going to be the start of a new and long drawn out era. Mm. And um, I think we're in the thick of it now. We're in the thick of something. <laughs> um, so I was working construction and um, that went on for a while. I, I got a bad injury in June mm. of 2020, uh, which I mean, it's complicated. I don't want to get too into it one much, but I, I was uh, I was laid out for the summer of 2020, hmm. and I didn't watch the news much, and I was living alone, so I just sort of let the world go by. Okay. Um, late fall um, of 2020, I was getting back on my feet again, and um, now we're going into November of 2020, and I'd only been in Vancouver for a year. Hmm. Um, and having worked the previous winter and then COVID hit, leg injury, I still hadn't really met anybody. Hmm. And I was alone in uh, living in my place, uh, going uh, going uh, to start work. And um, and because of COVID and uh, all the, res- the, you know, there was some supply chain issues with construction materials. Some uh, developers uh, held back on certain projects. So um, I found myself laid off in Vancouver without knowing anybody. Hmm. Um, that's when I really started to have uh, time to like, hey, this COVID thing is still going on. Hmm. You know, I, um, I leaned into it a little bit and I realized that uh, kids are still having issues at school. Um, small businesses are still locked down around the country and that, those were my two big concerns. Those grew into my two biggest concerns, two really only concerns uh, going on into 2021, January, mm. February, that's what I was thinking about, um, was what kids are going through and the economic problems that could come from the restrictions on small business across Canada. Mm-hmm. And so a few months later, as I, my concerns naturally grew, I was uh, trying to get information on these two topics over time. I heard of a rally happening here in Vancouver, and it's uh, it's almost the one year anniversary of it. Um, mm. It was on April second. I went to a Save Small Business BC rally here. Right. Thought I could get you know that's one thing I could get behind. Sure. I um, I didn't want to get involved in some of the bigger pictures, some of the predictions people were making. I, I just didn't even want to go down that rabbit hole, and I didn't. I still don't. Mm-hmm. And. Um, that small business rally was like, you know, I, I, I could get behind that and I want to. Okay. Um, so I did. I went to that small business rally and it was awesome. I realized I'm not the only one who was thinking these things. I was, I'm not a business owner, uh, but I'm a customer to business owners and I'm a citizen of Canada. And it was all very concerning. So I had every right to be there as much as any other yeah. any business owner. 
Um, and I got behind that one I, I photographed. Um, I, I like to do photography once in a while, so that was my way of contributing. I photographed the event, went on the march, and I uh, was really moved by the speeches. It's really moved by the energy. I think it was safe to say that was my very first Vancouver experience uh, after almost being here for a year and a half. Interesting. Um, and where I really got a taste of Vancouver culture and, and people for the first time. Um, I went home and that was uh, Easter weekend, so uh, there wasn't much going on for me. I'm Orthodox, so my, week, my Easter was a few weeks later. Okay. Uh, so I just sat at home and I, I edited my photos realized I had a beginning, a middle, and an end, a narrative to my photos. Hmm. And, um, and I started writing about what I saw in my photos and what I experienced there, and I accumulated it into a story. It's about a 1,500-word uh, story, hmm. and I put it online. And um, a couple weeks later, well, a week later or so, I, I got contacted by True North News. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then uh, they, they wanted to publish it, and they did. Um, and then throughout that week, uh, those couple weeks, um, my photos started floating around Vancouver and I got introduced to the people in the movement as a photojournalist and a writer and um, that's where I was at in, yeah. uh, by early summer of 2021. I was uh, photographing rallies and huh. I, was the, I was the journalist kind of guy um, and I was looking for opportunities to make a record, a visual record. And, of, of the, everything going on and I, and I was um, writing about it, I was making a lot of notes at home so I thought I'd put a, a narrative together uh, and make a record of things, I still, still could. Um, you know, I was reading a lot of Joan Gideon at the time, I really loved the way she writes so I was putting a lot of like uh, inclusion in my writing where you know that new journalism style can go off about that but hmm. um, and that's what I was doing, I had to work in the meantime. Um, got a job with my friend uh, in the summer of 2021 and um, he knew where I stood on things. We're, we grew up together. Uh, we went to kindergarten together in mm. Winnipeg mm. and uh, he's an old friend. He's been out here for 20 years. He's a really great guy. Uh, we disagreed on a lot of things but he, he really, we still accepted each other. Um, but but he, we had the vaccine talk before I started working for him and my plan then was to wait two years. I, uh, I, I assessed myself. I was exercising a lot of the time. Uh, I wasn't a smoker, wasn't overweight. Mm -hmm. I believe in intermittent fasting and um, I, I realized my age and the data we had public, publicly available on COVID at the time, I concluded that I was not at risk of dying. Uh, I was also not at risk of taking up space in a hospital. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that. But what I didn't know is what taking the shot might do to me. So I wanted to go with what I know. I also wasn't in, uh, in contact with any elders. I lived alone. I wasn't in contact with a lot of people. Um, so I was not a high risk to society. I was not a high risk to myself or to the system. Um, however, uh, and I knew that that was a certainty. Uh, what wasn't a certainty was what would happen if I took the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So I decided to wait two years, and uh, I think I'm still waiting on that. You know? <laughs> I said, uh, by July of 2023, I'll see how things play out, and that's when I'll make a decision. 
Mm. Uh, I'm leaving it open till then. Mm. Um, so um, had that talk with my friend who's very pro-vaccine. He's, uh, I would call him uh, a very polite and open-minded Fauci disciple. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, he's a good guy. I yeah. don't, don't want to you know, degrade him in any way, but we strongly disagreed on the subject. Well, that's, that's just a good point to make in, in, that, in just alone is, hey, you, know, you can disagree about it and you can still be good friends, good, have a good relationship. And that um, people need to remember that. And that's, that's interesting, very interesting. So uh, a few weeks later, I was talking again with this friend of mine, um, and he was telling me he's having trouble finding guys for his cleaning business. And uh, I said, well, I'm available. I'm a you know, long list of work experience, uh, pretty decent resume for, you know, so it fit right in with what he was doing. Um, so I had a meeting with him and his general manager. Uh, my buddy was the owner of the company, is the owner of the company, and um, uh, you know, the, we, they decided to hire me as management. Uh, and I was in, uh, so shortly after that, I was in training to be a manager in his company. Hmm. On my first day of training, I felt safe with all the looming talk about the mandates and stuff. This is uh, early August, 2021. I felt safe with that leading into the job because he, we had already had the talk. Mm -hmm. um, he knew where I stood, but yet he was still hiring me. So I, I saw that as a, a good thing and I felt safe about that. Um, on my very first day of work, my very first day of training, he started pressuring me to get it. Mm. And I said, uh, you know, let's just end this now because we're going to have a conflict. I'm mm. not doing that. Um, I told you I'm going to wait two years. You knew where I stood on this. Um, mm. And uh, he didn't want to discuss it very much, but he did leave it at saying, we're going to pressure you. We're going to pressure you. I believe he used that word. Mm. We're going we're gonna to pressure you into getting it. Uh, so and then he wanted to move on. He didn't want to talk about it anymore after that. And, and so I carried on with my, um, my management training over the next couple of weeks, but I certainly didn't feel a sense of job security. That's when I started looking online. Um, that's when the, the idea of uh, where do I find a job board that represents someone like me. Hmm. Uh, a job board where I can find a job that an employer is not going to ask me about my private medical information. I, I certainly did not support having to disclose that. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't finding anything on online. I was, um, there was some stuff on Telegram and uh, they were evolving into, they had some titles that seemed to match the, 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 the narrative about what I was looking for. But they were just evolve into a discussion forum. Hmm. And when you're looking for a job that you can take a bus to, you don't really care about what's happening around the world. Uh, you know, there's there's a, another place and an important place for discussion forums, but uh, mm -hmm. not on a job board. Sure. So I, I was uh, wondering what to do about that or how to get around that. Uh, and I kept looking and it got frustrating. So I thought I should uh, use uh, Telegram to make a job board hmm. and um, make it in a way where people can't post on it or try to really police it somehow. Um, and so I, I left that left my thought for a while, left my mind for a while. I carried on working. I was working full time. And, you know, you don't really have time for hobbies and work in labor full time. Yep. <laughs> um, so it just left me for a week or two. And then um, 
one morning, I, I was up really early as normal, and I was in the bathroom washing my face. Hmm. And um, I wasn't trying to come up with a name. I wasn't looking to make the job board. It felt like I, I think I even like had forgotten about it for a few days. I wasn't even thinking about it. Um, and the, the name just fell into my head. Mm. I was just washing my face and mm. I said the word in my head for the first time, jobless jobs. Mm. And I went, oh, that's a good name. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, I finished up and washing my face, dried off and I grabbed my phone and I went into the kitchen and I played around with starting um, a group on Telegram mm. called Jabless Jobs. Okay. Um, made the group, found some image online to give it a, you know, a, a profile photo and um, called it Jabless Jobs and uh, then I shared it with a few friends on Telegram. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was the organizer of that State of Small Business Rally in, uh, in a- April 2nd uh, who I'd come to know and respect uh, like many people, um, since that day, and uh, she suggested, uh, I told her what it was, she loved it, she loved, loved the name, she loved what I was doing, I had a lot of great encouragement from the few people I shared it with, and then um, I, I told her what my vision was, was to have a job board that um, people can't post on, or I don't want it to turn into a, a discussion forum. I, I was worried that it would just get so noisy, so I wanted to start my own thing that yeah. it wouldn't be noisy. And then I, so that I could find myself a job, yeah. hoping that an employer would post on there so that I can apply for that job mm-hmm. and then just carry on with my life and mind my own business. Um, she, a couple of days later, she suggested that I, I change it from a group to a channel on Telegram. And that would prevent people from posting. The only difference is I would be the admin and then people would have to message me hmm. with their job posting and then I would put it on there and that would give me the opportunity to vet it. Yep. That was the birth of me running the job board. I see, yeah. And um, that was August 24th. Oh. Um, I, she messaged me on the night of the 23rd at uh, like 11 o'clock. I was sound asleep. I woke up at 4 a.m. like normal. Um, <laughs> And I uh, saw her message, and I went, damn, that's a good idea. You know, I'll see if I can do that. So, you know, I, I went and I made that channel, I, and I closed down the other, the group one, and uh, invited some friends to join. By the time I got to work, I had 18 subscribers on that channel. Hmm. And um, by noon that day, um, I had... 400 subscribers on that channel wow and three jobs posted wow and um wow it was uh it, it was one of those times where like those they don't happen very often where like you just tapped into something like they found a crystal ball i got trapped lightning in a bottle mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. uh, i wasn't sure it was a it was a bit of excitement it was a bit of uh concern Okay. Um, and it's like in my pocket the whole morning. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, it was in my phone, and, it, and all it's all going down on my phone. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I realized I had not just something unique, but something very important to yeah. people. Yeah. And um, a couple of days later, I got the message from the boss. The boss. Uh, the general manager of the company. I'm still in training. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. He says to me, um, he says the email sent, there was a, a message sent out to all the staff saying, 
you're all going to have to be vaccinated. Mm. Those of you who are not vaccinated will have restrictions. Uh, a couple of days earlier, around those days, I don't remember what, I think it was that same day, even, I don't know, it's a little blurry now, but Premier Morgan made the announcement that um, mandates are going to be implemented on September 13th. Mm -hmm. Here we are in the last week of August. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I, um, I got that message from the manager, and, uh, and I'm not cool with that, you know, because if I'm going to continue on with this management training and have my own crew, I'll have restrictions placed on me. If things work out, the best case scenario with my friend was that things work out and I work with restrictions. And not only that, I'd have to implement those restrictions and force them on my crew. Yeah. And uh, I was not cool with that, not doing yeah. it. Um, so I thought long and hard. Meanwhile, uh, you know, notifications on my phone keep going. <laughs> I bet. People are messaging me. Yeah. I'm getting, by that point, I started seeing the emotional response to it. Mm. The messages from people. Um, uh, I, I just was blown away like how much it actually meant to people. Mm -hmm. Hope it was given to people. Um, it was very special to see that. It was a very unique um, period of time. Um, they were crying. People were coming to me and still are with their hearts on their sleeves. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have kids or a mortgage, but many people do. Yeah. And um, they're not willing to take the risk. And uh, they were they were in a much tougher spot than I was. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I was watching this and I realized like what I had there. I'm still I'm still trying to like process mm -hmm. how important it is what I got and. Um, and uh, I just went home that night from work, and I thought, like, they're gonna, they're gonna do this. They're dropping the hammer on us, man. Mm -hmm. So, the next morning when I was at work, um, I wasn't even there. I was there, but I wasn't starting yet. I, I pulled up my phone and I, I sent a message to the general manager saying, um, I can't be a part of this company anymore. This is uh, medical discrimination. I won't be doing this. Uh, this is my notice. I, I thought it was the better move, and I still think it was the better move because I didn't want a conflict with my old friend. I didn't want to um, rock the boat, and I, I didn't want to have to um, challenge his income. Um, but I knew they were short-staffed, and they had a lot of jobs coming up. So uh, the general manager replied back. He thought I was joking. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Like, no, I'm serious, man. I, I'm not going to be a part of this medical discrimination. It's what it is. I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. This is my notice. I wanted to be fair. And so I gave them a one month notice, basically at the end of September. And um, a couple days later, I got an email from the manager saying there's a surprise shortage of work. George, you're laid off. But I knew that wasn't true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it is what it is. Yeah. Um, that gave me an opportunity to really double down on jobless jobs. I took uh, I took it and ran. Um, Renata, who you mentioned earlier, she uh, she told me that I should register the name. I got something special there. I wasn't thinking about it, making a business. I still wanted to find a job. 
Hmm. You know, hmm. um, and I thought I'd pass it on to someone who could possibly do a better job than me, someone who's owned a business before, someone who's um, has a lot more tech experience than me. Um, you know, so I, I just still was, you know, trying to make it grow because people liked it, people wanted it, it was an important thing, but I, I also wanted it. I was still looking for a job for the first couple of weeks of September. And um, Renata told me that I got a business opportunity here. Mm. And uh, I didn't want to hear that, but she was right. Mm. She told me that I need to get that name reserved as soon as possible. And I didn't even know how to do that. So uh, with some research, I figured out how to do that. And uh, I got the name reserved, so I officially owned the name okay. in September, Java's Jobs. Um, and uh, then I went uh, on wondering how I was going to monetize because volunteering like that, I mean, mm. I wouldn't believe the emails I was getting at the time. Like we, I made a, a Greater Vancouver Jobless Jobs um, uh, uh, Gmail account. Uh, and then we, by that time we had a Okanagan, Jobless Jobs Okanagan. We had a Vancouver Island, I think. Uh, so it was growing. Yeah. And um, I was getting emails from people just nonstop, just uh, all day long. It was just like my job was on on email, and um, you know, vetting jobs that people are sending me, um, giving people hope, people pouring out their 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 concerns to me, telling them they're not alone, mm -hmm. telling them that oh, I'm working hard, doing what I can. Um, you know, that's when uh, that's when a lot of our our company phrase and languages came about. Letting people know that we'll win this together. Um, I'm gonna make sure that you have the choice, so therefore the choice is yours. That's the language we use on our website. That's our phrases now. Um, it all grew quite organically. Um, and thinking hard about how I was gonna monetize it, I was concerned because I thought I'd, you know, I I, I thought I'd be. I didn't want to come across as some, uh, you know. Uh, money-hungry uh, opportunist uh, either. Uh, I, I sincerely did not start Jobless Jobs as a business. I started it to find myself a job. So I uh, started looking at how I could monetize it. Um, I, I really just thought, okay, maybe it could just be advertising. Maybe uh, companies could advertise with us or, you know, uh, people who have services that cater to this uh, marginalized community that's my audience they could maybe advertise to it I got a lot of rent to pay I was mm -hmm. getting falling behind uh, you know was, yeah, I barely ate in September man. Mm. it was rough mm. uh, <laughs> in yeah. September of 2021 uh, uh. I had some miracle I lived through that month. Like, I, it was crazy yeah. it was, um, I remember just looking at my fridge and it was like just nothing in there and no money coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it was really like a mess. I just did not know how I was going to make it into October uh, with the rent looming and stuff. And so luckily I, I was able to tap into my eye in time and then I um, just scraped by. Um, Fortunately, I'd grown accustomed to intermittent fasting. I, uh, by that point, I was intermittent fasting purely out of necessity. Oh, jeez. And, um, you know, still had my coffee, which is fine, which is good. Um, fortunately, I don't have a car, so there wasn't that money pit. 
Mm-hmm. And I uh, just really just had to get my rent paid and uh, get some food in the fridge. Uh, and that happened um, so uh, incrementally, really. Um, so then uh, by that point, I had a team put together as well. Okay. Uh, Melissa was, uh, was part of us, who is a huge part of the company now. Mm. Um, Steve, our IT guy, was, uh, was dabbling in it. Uh, we, I didn't have a website yet, but he was just helping out in communications with people and because uh, it was just so time consuming while the emailing yeah. uh, he was helping me uh, you know build uh, new channels and giving me uh, some IT uh, ideas and he was a little more tech savvy than I was so if, if I had a hang up on a telegram channel or something he could answer my question or figure it out quicker than me so um, okay. Melissa came along with uh, her ability to just you know create social media apps and Canva, you know, posts real quickly. Mm. Uh, so she can like, I could forward her a job uh, that someone emailed to me and she could translate it into like a colorful post on Canva, an image on Canva, mm. which is how we were doing things then. Mm. And that was very time consuming for me. So she was able to save me a lot of time and, uh, and offered some structure to our brand, some consistency, by that point, we had social media going, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Mostly we were working on Instagram. And, uh, you know, so she was able to contribute to that. And it was during that time where our colors and our brand started to really form, the look of our brand started to really formulate. And I, I, I just started to steer it. Um, and punks, punks of employment is what I was saying. Because we're not uh, the regular employment service. Oh, we're, I see. We're coming at it from the underground. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, I, I wanted to look like we're a professional company, of course, uh, because we were treating it like a real job, and it was very important. But we didn't. I didn't want us to look like any other job service or recruiting agency online. Uh, we're the punks. We're coming at it from another angle. Interesting. Uh, but we are professional, and, and you know, we have the discipline. Yeah. So we were we were the alternative I- employment service. We we still are. We're the alternative, um, on not mainstream uh, employment service, and that's when I came up with the term. Uh, you know, we're we're just a bunch of punks in this in this industry. So let's let's develop our brand towards being the punks of employment. Interesting. And uh, and let's go. And um, Steve uh, had done a lot of hiring as a manager in the restaurant industry. Um, I've uh, I've done a lot of applying for jobs and res- resume uh, making and mm. uh, interviewing. So uh, Melissa had four years of experience with the recruiting uh, agency, okay. and um, and so we were and we all just started finding our roles. Um, yeah. I was at the helm. I took the lead. Uh, and Steve and Melissa both accept that and uh, we're still a three-person team uh, and then it just started to grow um, Steve had some uh, Steve had some uh, personal commitments so he took most of October off that was the time we started expanding out to um, uh, reach out to volunteers um, and while we were getting volunteers, it was me and Melissa juggling this stuff around. That was the one period in our existence where nothing got done. Hmm. Uh, we ended up just having to deal with volunteers all the time and mm-hmm. they, they weren't able to get anything done. They were very motivated, but um, 
that was when I realized I'm seeing a lot of people trying to do too many things. Mm. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of people who are very motivated and, and you know, uh, capable, uh, but yet not accomplishing anything because they're trying to do everything. Yeah. Uh, naturally, there was a, a need for everything, but um, I, I just turned to Melissa somewhere around late October, uh, and I, uh, maybe it was around the middle of October, I don't remember now, but I just said, we're, we're not doing these volunteers anymore. She's just like, there's just a, a mountain of work to do. Mm-hmm. She was shocked. <laughs> uh, we weren't living together yet. Um, she's my roommate now, but um, mm. we, we were, uh, so we were talking online a lot. And uh, she just didn't believe that we could do this. And I, I was, I mean, uh, here's another period of uncertainty. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that we can do it either, but I, I know that we could do more without these volunteers. Mm. We're, we're not getting anything done. Mm. So if the two of us just didn't have to deal with volunteers and just focused on what we wanted to do, we would still get more done without the volunteers because we wouldn't have to deal with them. Fair um, and nothing against them. They're all great, smart people. Um, just that they were all doing too many things. Yeah. Um, by mid-October, I got on the federal registries and I incorporated it and made jobs, jobs a company. And um, I told Melissa, November 1st, we're starting to charge. I don't know what we'll be charging yet, but that's how we're doing it. And uh, so we had a benchmark and a goal. And, um, and, I, and I told her around the same time that we're not doing the volunteers anymore. And we're in a tricky period because I'm trying to monetize a volunteer-run organization. Mm-hmm. Because, and and uh, I don't want to have to explain this to volunteers that we're gonna try and monetize this and they're volunteering to help us. I, I, I just didn't know how to juggle that. Um, early shareholders options is one thing that came my way, but I, I had a lot of other things that I wanted to learn before that. Um, and so I, I looked back at uh, things that I already knew and I just started drawing analogies. Um, you know, and, and um, I didn't, uh, I didn't want to start trying to do all these other things that people were asking me to do. Um, all those emails I got, many of them were people asking me to expand jobless jobs into uh, housing opportunities, travel opportunities. Um, uh-huh. Do these employers enforce masks? Um, mm. You know, and, and it's just like, uh, I, I don't know that. Like, I, I, I'm not doing all that. I just can't. Mm-hmm. I had to be realistic. While I was being asked these questions, I was watching these volunteers who were trying to work with us not doing anything but busy trying to do everything and I, I just went so our lane is employment and we're not doing anything else we're staying in the employment lane and we're gonna have to just deflect every other opportunity and option that comes our way and, and a lot of these opportunities are great a lot of these questions were important a lot of these pe- people had great concerns yeah. um, and uh, I just had to depend on someone else to start that because I'm sticking to employment. Uh, so we picked a lane and we stayed in it. We had a benchmark of a deadline to start charging. I don't know what we were gonna charge, but then we just went for it. Um, we developed a splash page. Uh, we got, a, you know, we got a, a website, a domain. We started just going for it and um, the splash page was just a welcome page that said uh, website coming sign up for a newsletter oh, yeah. uh, you know um, 
<clears throat> and that was pretty much it. And that's when we started farming our brand. The background of the background of uh, of Telegram is black, and uh, we had already had the yellow logo, um, and then our our uh, posts were very colorful. Our job posts were very colorful. So I wanted to translate that whole uh, look onto the website if and when we got there. So I let everyone know that we're going to try and just be familiar to our uh, audience and just sort of translate our audience from Telegram over onto the website and, and maintain the look if, yeah. as much as we could. Um, and so uh, naturally it evolved and uh, so we, we did that. We, so we, we've got a job board going and then uh, right in the same week is when the media just slammed us. Like um, we got we got published on Rebel. We mm. got uh, attention from Global News, hmm. uh, which was a fun time. Hmm. We got it, you know. So by uh, by the end of November, we were we were famous. Um, October on November first, we started charging. November fifth, we made our first sale. Hmm. Um, we were still on Telegram. Like people were paying me fifty dollars to post their employment opportunities on Telegram. Hmm. Um, that was a that was a confidence in you know market market research. Yeah. Like if they're willing to pay me fifty bucks to post their job opportunity on Telegram, yeah. then well, let's go for it. Yeah. You know, like uh, yeah. let's let's throw let's, let's throw some money. Yeah, I got one investor. Which is a small investment. He's a great guy. Um, he was able to help us get out the gate with um, incorporating and buying a printer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just some of the startup costs of yeah. uh, of that. Uh, you know, I went and made a a company bank account and mm -hmm. just started doing everything for the first time. And um, by the, by the end of November, we were we were famous. And um, just trying to keep up. Interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, um, one of the things about this whole process you went through and establishing this is, is it's, it's, it is tapping into a larger issue, of course. And, and one of the things that stands out about that issue that's really, I think, needs to be spoken about more and uh, is there's a lot of people that don't want to buy into what's going on. There's a lot of people that don't want to be forced and coerced into doing things. And that isn't like, well established within the you know the normal narratives on it but you're you're finding that when you tap that vein that there's a lot there and then there's a lot of emotional charge behind it and i find that that i mean you could talk to how many people in the street and they'd really get it they wouldn't get it generally if they're buying into the general consensus on what's going on and it's big like you're hitting a big vein there right you're talking about people talking about their emotional outpouring to you and yeah, stuff it's like it's remarkable and, yeah, and so like that's not about jobs. That's about something bigger than just a job. That's about their livelihood and their their sense of security in themselves and their lives, mm -hmm. and all that's been kind of thrown up and up, you know, in an upheaval right now. It's crazy. Like um, what I'm looking at, what I witnessed, like that that period of time from uh, late August to um, pretty much uh, even still till now. Um, I have a I have a huge database of emails mm -hmm. from across all of Canada and um, what it is you know it's, it, it, it's a result of jobless jobs but it's also a, a record of where this country was at for this period of time yeah um, 
maybe sometime in the future I'll tap into that and pull out some excerpts um, to show people where we were at because it's a record of where we where we were and what I've concluded is it's it's the first time in our first world country um, where people aren't in control of mm -hmm. the, the course of their lives yeah so um the last person I had on a, as a guest on the podcast about two weeks ago now was a guy named John Foster and he's uh, got a master's degree in, in depth psychology and we were talking about psychology in, you know general sense and we were talking about how so often people don't really investigate their own motivations for things mm -hmm. and they don't really try to have that kind of self-awareness mm -hmm. and, and just say, you know, I want a peanut butter sandwich, but why, well, why are you attracted to peanut butter? Why is, you know, there's, there's these questions you can ask yourself about anything. And what I'm hearing from you though is, and I think this is so interesting and important too, because even you framed it up as a, a piece of Canadian history that's been sort of crystallized in your emails that you've been getting mm -hmm. is um, we're, we're, we're being led to a consensus on what's going on that doesn't feel right. And so even if a person is agreeing with it on the surface and going along with things and not questioning, maybe they're working in the hospital or they're working in a place that wears a mask all day and has the vaccine passport and they know it's not quite right though. They feel something inside that's just, this isn't quite right, but they've never really done that work to investigate their own motivations, their own self in that way. And then you're kind of opening this door through this thing of saying, you don't have to do this. And then people are just like, oh. There's another option. There's the original else. option. The, the, the place where you can get a job and you don't have to answer that question. Yeah. That That's what it was like before. So I, I'm not doing something new here. Sure. I'm doing something the same. In a, in a new time. Yeah. That's why it's so contrasting to the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like how you threw the punk in there too, because I'm an old school metal guy and punk was definitely part of my upbringing too. So I, uh, I appreciate the spirit of the punk. <laughs> well, you know, um, I remember the 90s. I think I remember the 90s. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, there was this talk then. It was alternative music. Mm -hmm. um, mainstream sucks. <laughs> yeah. we never, you know, we started stop listening to radio rock and, and yeah. you know, find that Pixies album. You know, mm. find uh, all this underground stuff you know um, mainstream sucks mainstream 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 yeah. that's uh, it was like it was that was spoken a lot yeah um, so it, it was uh, it was going against the mainstream narrative and that's when I kind of like I had my 90s flashback going this is punk we're, we're, we're punks right now nice everything else is mainstream all those people yeah. running around trying to you know serve the master narrative they're mainstream they're not. and 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 it's funny you bring up the 90s too because one of my favorite bands was pantera back in the day and they definitely on, on their live show would be like you know it's us versus the mainstream kind of thing that yeah. was definitely one of their frames and, and but you know this this is what's happening today i think the contrast right so you talk about you're just doing what was existed before you're not changing anything really no. And yet it feels totally different now. Yeah. And I think that people don't really recognize how far we've come and how exactly. different. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think that has to do with that self-reflection thing of just sitting down and sort of saying, what actually is going on here? Not just keeping up with the herd as it panics and goes in different directions. Mm -hmm. But um, do, you, do you feel like, because you talked about photography for a moment there, and it sounds like you have a lot of different things you're actually capable of doing. 
Um, and you talked about photography telling a story and stuff. Do you feel like maybe you'd want to try to take some of the more personal stories that are coming up through this and, and tell a story through them in, in some way? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought about that, and I, but I haven't been able to think about it too much. Um, yeah. My days now are, are filled with uh, just reacting to, you know, responding to what needs to be done for job jobs. Yeah, we should, I should point this out. You're doing quite well with it, right? It's still going strong. Oh, it's grown. It's grown bigger. Yeah. Uh, Mandates are lifting, and we're breaking sales records. <laughs> and, you know, I had a lot of people telling me in recent months when the, the looming uh, talk of mandates being lifted, they're like, "You, you're gonna need to um, find a job, George, because uh, you know soon you won't be needed. The mandates are lifting." And I just like, I don't know. I just wanted to see what would happen. Yeah. It's another period of uncertainty. I'm used to that. Sure. You know. Well. What do you think is driving people to continue to want to use the service then if it's no longer what it was a few months ago? Well, there's, I can answer that based on my theories from before and also what I'm witnessing today yeah. currently. Uh, my theories before was that I really believed that we had grown and built trust and, and developed a strong brand loyalty. Yeah. Jobless Jobs um, has uh, developed a brand loyalty that... Um, I, I mean, I didn't even have to spend a dime for it. Just the fact that we existed yeah. gave people hope. I've been told we were saving people's lives. There's no way yeah. of measuring that. But as of a few weeks back, we, we'd employed over 200 people. Uh, we've given hope to an immeasurable amount of people across Canada. I've, been, I've received resumes from Puerto Rico, from Australia, from Texas, from New York, uh, from England. Hmm. I even had one from Denmark. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we're, we, by this point, like we expanded into the States, we hadn't even marketed anything into the States and people, employers in the States started coming forward from States that had their mandates lifted hmm. and are, are posting on our job board hmm. on the United States, uh, JJ USA. Okay. Um, so I, I just knew we had a strong brand loyalty. Yeah. I was confident in that. However, I didn't know how those things were going to play out. Um, and uh, I knew that a lot of people had lost trust. I'd spoken to them. I'd read their emails. They'd, there's a lot of people that are not going to go back to their jobs when they get offered the opportunity to. Yeah. Uh, so I knew that we would still be somewhat relevant, uh, maybe important to a market of some, a niche or a smaller market, if that. Yeah. Uh, I was confident in that, but I wasn't sure what else could happen. I wasn't, you know, I was waiting for more to happen. And that's that. I think you you hit on what I'm hearing as the main sort of thread for this is like integrity, the integrity, the trust, the the idea that you have an understanding of a, of first principles that you apply to your business that that isn't there in the in the large scale right now. That because so many businesses have just gone along with what they're being told to do without that, and that's concerning. And I think that much again, this is something I've been thinking about a lot too. Is so many more people than you, you get led on to if you just sort of go along with the general consensus are concerned but they're not really able to voice those concerns they're not able to sort of bring them to the surface they are able to they're just not taking those risks sure okay that's basically you know, saying the same thing yeah yeah like they're they're allowed to yeah they're not going to go to jail and um, yeah i mean i i don't want to knock somebody who's not speaking up because you know this situation that we're all in is never black and white for anybody it's variables. It's, it's very layered for everybody. 
for sure. And I'm not trying to to call anybody who's not speaking up. That's not my point as much as that you, when you just know something's not right internally, mm-hmm. it makes you uncomfortable. And then anything that can offer you some sense of comfort, you're going to gravitate towards that heavily. And it's going to become a point of projection to a certain degree. And that, I think, is explaining a lot of the popularity of the alternative media and, the, and podcasts, like the people that helped inspired me to do this podcast. Because the people that are popular in that world have some integrity. It seems like they're honest people. It seems like they're trying to do honest things with the, the basis that we should all kind of, you'd think we all have, but has been sort of been pulled away in a lot of these official mandates and whatever else. So I could see how you could not only survive the time that you're doing, but you could become a job board that lasts for a long time because as long as you're holding, you can hold on to that integrity, people will be like, no, they're there. They're going to be there for me even if, you know, other rules change in my life in that sense. Yeah, um, you know, just from the last two weeks, uh, uh, seeing the mandates lift across the country, uh, not all mandates, there's some federal ones, and I, I don't, uh, to be honest, I don't really follow what mandates are lifted and what's not. Um, I just, uh, I spend a lot of my time in my JJ bubble. Um, in the recent months, me and Melissa stopped paying attention to news and, uh, you know, just didn't want to get emotionally distracted and all the social media stuff we could be doing. Uh, so we just stay in our little bubble. We're not even very well connected to other groups in the movement. Hmm. Uh, we're just um, staying in our lane and that's that's caused us to sort of be in our little, you know, business bubble. And there's a few close friends we have and uh, other people we've met in the movement that I stay in touch with. We've built some uh, business mentors that are part of uh, what we're doing and I'm, I can get them on the phone anytime. Um, but, uh, you know, just seeing how things went in the last few weeks when mandates started lifting, I, I'm confident that we could uh, we could be in business for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and picking up from what I was saying before, uh, being confident that we'd have uh, had developed a strong brand loyalty, what I'm seeing happen now is I was correct. Uh, we do have a strong brand loyalty. People trust us. We earned that, and we're going to keep earning that. Um, but we also um, we we also uh, have a situation that is uh, is unique in that there was a lot of employers before the mandates were lifted who were not uh, in support of the mandates, mm-hmm. and and they weren't enforcing them. But they didn't feel comfortable yeah. posting with us. Yeah. Now that the provincial mandates are lifting, yeah. there's a lot more employers who are saying, "Hey, I'm not enforcing this any anymore," and I, and they're more comfortable in expressing it and being associated with a job board called Jobless Jobs. And I want to throw in here right, right now that we do have an anonymous option, hmm. but we have to vet the employer. So um, hmm. you know, an employer can public. Uh, can post a job on our job board and not say who they are. We just want the job title. We want the location. Okay. If it's a small town that could give away the company, we want the region. Okay. Um, but we want uh, we want to know who they are. If we can't Google them, we're going to be calling them. Yeah. We're going to research. We bet we bet those jobs heavily. Yeah. Um, because we want to protect the integrity of our job board. We want to yeah. protect the, the security of our job seekers. Yeah. And uh, that really matters to me, the integrity of the job board. If, if you know, if, if something were to happen, I wouldn't be able to be comfortable well, with I, that. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we vet them heavily. 
and we, we know who they are. When there's, a, when there's an anonymous job on our job board, I know exactly who that is. Um, yeah. And uh, Melissa's got her finger on that pulse a lot better. Mm. Um, but uh, I can find out anything I want about those companies, but I don't say it. Um, we, we don't disclose any information that they're not comfortable with. Just the, the information that's on the job board is all anyone's going to get from me. Yeah, well, that's actually one of those fundamental issues that are kind of underlying all of this is this sense of what is privacy? What is your ability to be private in the public sphere? And um, yeah, but I wonder, I'm wondering now too, like my industry, um, there was a lot of, murmuring in the background about the vaccine mandates for people to participate in, in any sport recreational activities essentially and now that the mandates are lifting is how much of that is going to be like oh thank god that's over or people are like the relationships they're going to have going forward with this and i think a lot of people are going to be like thank god we can get rid of this and we don't have to do it anymore and there's going to be an interesting conversations i think between a lot of employers and employees and you talked about some employees maybe not even wanting to go back to their jobs no they're not wanting to go back. there's some that are but uh, they feel they have to yeah that but that 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 we've we've disrupted as a society i say we not you know yeah. specifically but we've disrupted this dynamic of our social relationships on a professional level in a way that i've never seen like it's never really happened no, not, i don't think so i don't think, I don't think this has happened not quite, not, not like, like like this. I mean, war may, might disrupt it too, but it's a different kind of disruption. But it, going forward, I feel like the gravity will be towards the people that held the, held their own and, and, and like yourself and said, no, we're not going to go along with this. I feel like there's going to be a gravity towards that inclination because I think a lot of people, as I said, really don't feel good about it internally, even if they can't voice that. And I'm not saying I'm judging on that, but just mm, yeah. the nature of that. Because... I don't actually know anybody right now who would say to me, you know, the government was right about everything and everything we did was useful. <laughs> so, well, there is some people who say that to me, some people I know from years back, but mm. they seem to have joined a new religion. <laughs> they seem to have joined a cult. Okay. But there's also some people who, um, you know, some months ago I would have assumed uh, or, or viewed as being on the opposite side of the narrative from me or on the you know other side of history from me um but in recent weeks i've had some old friends reach out to me they've seen me on the news mm. um, and uh, i've been pleasantly surprised by mm. uh by their reaction and their stories um and their you know one friend was telling me that uh, he, he got fully vaxxed and went with the narrative but all the while, he was making counterfeit uh, passes for people, uh, and uh, and he was giving people like a, you know so, but he was secretive about it. But now he's in a position where he feels more comfortable talking about it huh. because of me, what I'm doing, and he wants me to know that. Huh. And um, I thought that was very great, you know, and that was a great example of how it's never black and white. Um, mm -hmm. There's uh, mm -hmm. it's, there's so many gray areas in everyone's perspective and experience over the last six months uh, when the mandate started that uh, we can't just judge someone for uh, a personal medical decision they made yeah uh, a, a common thing I'm hearing though from all these people is uh, they're giving me an excuse and it never it's never one of uh, medical concern they made this choice to do what the government wanted to do 
wanted them to do, but it wasn't because of uh, a medical concern mm. that they did it. They did it for their work or they wanted to mm. travel. I mean, we've all heard those excuses, mm -hmm. but that's a little concerning to me. The fact that all these people did this, not for medical reasons. Um, and I want to say this on the record too, like, uh, I don't need people to tell me why they did it. It's none of my business. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm not asking, yeah. you know, when I talk to old friends and stuff, like, I don't care. I don't want to know. You don't have to tell me. If you want to tell me, I'll, I'll listen. Sure. But um, because I, I have jobless jobs and I run jobless jobs, people feel that they, they have to tell me yeah. where they're at. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's not about that. It's, yeah. it's about ethics. Yes. And I apply that to the company now. Um, and this is a little controversial and, and a little polarizing with some of the people on our side of the history, uh, on, this, on, our, on the jobless job side of history, is uh, when I say we don't ask, that's exactly what I mean. Mm -hmm. That is black and white. Mm -hmm. We do not ask. Um, and that means, it's like, I've only had two employers ask me this question, but it's an important question that I had to address and make a decision on. And they asked me if I could find them uh, some staff that can prove that they're not vaccinated. Hmm. And uh, wait a second, it already says on my job board, you know, non-discriminatory employment service. Mm -hmm. if, if I ask someone to prove to me that they're not vaxxed, isn't that discrimination? I, I asked myself that question. I concluded that it's yes. It's, it's having to disclose your personal medical choices to an employer. Yeah. And um, that's discrimination. And I'm not okay with that. So we don't do that. Yeah, I, I'm just a little curious about yeah. why an employer would actually stipulate they want somebody who's unvaccinated. I don't get why that would be. Well, there might be some truth behind it. I've never dug into it. And I, I don't really want to. It's, it's above my pay grade. But there's this spike protein thing people keep talking about and shedding. Hmm. And I don't want to even go there. So, but they're concerned about that somehow. Yeah, oh, I think okay. that's what it is. And that, huh. I've had a couple people, but I've been in conversation with friends and people I know about that. They're, they always go, that it's because of shedding. Hmm. And I don't know enough about that or, or care to learn about it. Um, if it's a medical thing, then that's fair. Yeah. However, I'm not doing it, and I hope that Jobless Jobs is the catalyst towards the answer of solving that problem because we have to learn to live together. Well, that, that's absolutely, 100% agree, 100%. And, and I totally take your point that discrimination either way is a problem. Yeah. And that actually is at the core of my problem with it too is, again, first principles. I don't want to discriminate against people, period. I don't care whether that discrimination fits into my ideology or not. That's yeah, not the that's point. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and that's actually one of the biggest concerns I've always had about this whole thing was labeling any group of people as less than equal to everyone else is insanely dangerous based on human history, based on human behavior. Especially if the majority of people aren't, as I said, aren't self aware enough to really know why they're being motivated to do things. Because mm. that always leads to one group pushes the other one down in some horrific way, and or it doesn't always start that way, but it ends up there. But anyways, um, yeah, that's I. So I agree with that a hundred percent. I think that again, the attraction to what you're doing, which is really interesting to me, and I was having a conversation. Let's so I could bring it back to this a little bit with a person I know, who still doesn't realize that there really is kind of like alternative to the mainstream media sources of information, and that 
the podcast world is a big world and they're still not quite aware of that um and yet the popular you know the the audience for these alternative alternative viewpoints is huge mm-hmm. it's absolutely yeah. huge and yeah. it's it's a serious chunk of the population that is just not given a voice and so yeah. Yeah, and, and you've you tapped into this, right? In in this sense, you're becoming. Well, I was one of them. One of them, yeah, one of them, and 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 in a way that I don't want, actually wouldn't mind talking about this, but in a way that has such key relevance because to participate in society, you have to have a job. Essentially, you have to have some way to survive, and like it'd be one thing if they said like you couldn't go visit the old folks' home if you're not vaccinated. That sucks, and there's something wrong with that. I think on some levels, but it's like well, the rationale is limited to one little. In, you know, um, specific part of society, um, and you can fight about it within the specifics of that. But like, you can't have a job. Wait, what? Like that? That sets you way back and says this is way more than just a minor inconvenience. This is serious infringement on people's ability to survive. Well, and then um, the social pressure too, like the public humiliation that I've heard about. Um, mm. You know, that's going on. Um, it's just shocking, um, you know. And if you look back on history, like every civil war started by you know division within the country, and mm-hmm. uh, you know even division within the family. And then we're witnessing that happen with this narrative, um, with this topic. And I don't want to contribute to that. I'm I'm not gonna allow jobless jobs to. I don't want to feel that guilt in the future. I, I don't want to allow yeah. jobless jobs to contribute to a uh, two-tiered society. Um, that's why it's it's not about which medical choice you made. Yeah. It's about ethics. Yeah. Do you support a, an employer asking you private medical information or not? <laughs> that's the ethics. Uh, I feel it's more ethical to not. I feel that's, that's ethically correct. Yeah. Do not have to disclose the private medical information. Yeah. So I'm not going to allow for it on either end of the narrative. I'm not going to be the other extreme. The name we have slightly contradicts that. I say slightly because, um, I mean, I could change the name to, you know, no medical information. <laughs> because jobless means the same. Yeah. Um, however, it, it, it confuses people a little mm-hmm. because uh, they seem to think that, and rightfully so, that we're only... Uh, serving the, the unvaccinated and for all I know we only have been um, mm. but I'm not limiting it to them yep. because I'm not asking so it, it's about ethics it's not about medical choices if a fully vaccinated person wants to browse our job board to find a job that ethically suits them I have no problem with that yeah and I, I wish them all the best I'm glad they're on the same side of history as me well, that's why you're gonna succeed with this I think because mentality is, is is a stepwise process like intellectual growth it's a stepwise process and if you're still stuck in the tribalistic thinking of like you know they're bad and i'm right on either side of that coin mm-hmm. you're not actually evolved enough to go forward into a future where we can connect and work together yeah, there's no us in now. we have to stop this yeah i agree i agree now um, there's a there's a guy named ken wilbur he's a philosopher kind of guy and he he was the first person that kind of explained this to me in a way i could understand but like you think about a little child and the way they look at the world, everything that exists is essentially their family, their mom and dad, especially their mom when they're really little. And then it expands more and more and more. And at some point, it goes beyond the immediate family and then you get the tribe and you get the group. But but at that point, people sometimes often get stuck because the thing that's outside of that tribe 
another tribe, another group of people can be labeled as the enemy. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the tribal streams. Yeah. And, and we have this in modern politics, it, which is bizarre in a way because you'd think that we'd have evolved our politics beyond childish, tribalistic behavior, but we haven't. Um, but, and that's the, that itself is the danger, is to, to make that too strongly, you know, the only way to look at it instead of saying, well, what's the connection? You're another human being. That's a good connection. You know, you're, you're, you're an honest human being. I don't believe that you're going to steal from me. Well, great. We can have a relationship that we have a business together. And it doesn't matter to me what you do in your personal life. That's your business. And as long as it's legal and with other consenting adults, you can do whatever you want, essentially. And that's always been my view on it. But, but I have principles that come before my own personal maybe want of the situation. My own personal, personal you know, the ease of the situation isn't as important to me as doing what's right in that sense mm. and I think that that I think it's really good that you brought up though this other point that it's hard to manage that when you have a job that has committed you to expectations that you may not agree with but your family relies on that income mm. I think that's yeah. that, that that's important to remember have compassion for people in that space I mean I, I know what I do in the shoes I'm standing in now but if I had a family full of kids and one of them's crying to play hockey I don't know what I would do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so I, I, I can't judge them. And, and they're welcome in our network. They're, they're welcome yeah. with us. Like they, they're not excluded from having the opportunity to seek employment and not having to answer that question. I want to I wanna open the door to more of Canada being able to find employment without having to answer that question. Yeah. Not, not because... Um, of any other reason other than because that's normal that's right that's correct yeah um, that's it you know yeah. so I, I mean I made this statement on uh, Laura Lynn Live a few weeks back um, she's great I don't know if you've heard of her she's um, she's got her own show and uh, the following days I started getting emails about it there's some pretty extreme people on our side of history and mm-hmm. that's that's cool you know, on one hand, I'm sorry I can't please everybody, um, but uh, on the other hand, it gets people talking, and really, if if they're getting if they're getting pissed off that I'm I'm not uh, limiting it only to the unjabbed, um, then let them talk. It's just more publicity for me. Uh, I mean, yeah. like just That's, go for it. You know, um, yeah. it's uh, it's really like. The, there's no employer who's going to want to post under the name of jobless jobs if they're faking it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, and we vet them and stuff and we're, we're also not responsible for employers, uh, any employer's future decisions. Sure. I don't want to have to turn to an employer at any time and say, you have to do what I say. Here's a contract. And, and this says that you're never going to make this mm, choice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, and all, all these questions have come across my desk. Uh, I've had to answer them. Yeah. And uh, I'm just not going to do that. I don't want to put a livelihood of an employer uh, on uh, on some contract in the future. If, if they have to make some choice that I don't agree with, that's none of my business. Yeah. yeah. And we're in a new open market now where you not only can go and get a job with a company that could fold and go under, which was the case before, but you could go and get a job with a company that is um, likely may or may not want to impose a new restriction on you. Yeah, that's something that we have to accept yeah. as a new part of our lives. Yeah. Um, 
so let's just consider it as part of the open market. This is a new, you know, variable to capitalism. Hmm. That's it. And if you get a job through an employer on the jobless jobs job board, um, you're less likely to encounter that. Yeah. But I ain't gonna promise it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I don't feel it's right for me to in, enforce an employer to make a choice in the future that I have nothing to do with. I wouldn't mind picking up on this idea of moving forward in the future where we get along with each other. Because, mm-hmm. like, so for my own situation... Yeah, how, do we, how do we do that? Yeah, how do we do that? Well, I, I think immediately of, of the fact that I have family members who are both sides of the uh, choice. Not necessarily that they're particularly uh, politically, like, driven in, in, in that sense, but they've made personal choices to get a jab or not to get the jab. And I love them. They're my family members. I don't have any desire to sort of diminish my connection to my family because of a personal medical choice and any more than I would like you know be like I don't love my aunt because she got a flu um, shot right like that's ridiculous that it's so crazy that that is even something that has to be sort of wrestled with but I think in the end it's it I mean it, it's simple but it's not easy maybe for some people who get caught up in being very tribalistically sort of polarized in this sense but really just another person is another person why would you, why would you, you know, you're not concerned about whether they eat healthy food necessarily. You're not gonna, you know, if you meet them on the street, that's not your, yeah, you know. You want your friends to be healthy, you want your friends to be well, you want your family to be well. And yeah, but you would only encourage that. You're not going to say to them, if you ate a cheeseburger, I'm not going to be your friend, right? Yeah, I mean, that's not, I mean, I think that's a bit of a stretch of an analogy, uh, but it's a good one because it, it can take us to start te- stepping towards the but, understanding. Yeah, thinking at least yeah. about what, what this really means and what this really entails. And I think um, the, 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 the part of the bizarre and challenging part of the last two years was the extreme social isolation that has been sort of thrust on everyone. Like you're really not allowed to interact with a lot more other people in, in society. That was one of the big rules, essentially. Yeah. And that's a really strange thing to do to a social species especially a social species like us, like I know people that their lives revolved around going to dance parties, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, suddenly you just can't do that at all. And I'm sure there was, well, there was some underground ones, but like, you know, on a, on a large scale. So the reconnection would, is going to be something that's going to maybe feel trepidatious, but I think it's going to also be like a tidal wave of emotional sort of outpouring when people really start to open up again and get reconnect with each other. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you facilitate that has been something I was thinking about. Because in, in my job, I definitely have people in all kinds of different places in the political and social sphere. And the one thing I've noticed is that if you, if you sort of remain calm and open up the space to them to, to relax a little bit, then you can start to remember that, hey, everybody likes each other. Hey, everybody wants to get along together. It's when the tension is held on to in those social situations that you start getting into the barking at each other problem. And so reminding people to be calm and come from a centered place and come from a place where you're like, okay, I, I don't need to get upset about a person disagreeing with me. I can just sort of relax. That, that, that seems to be the, the essence of it. I think the mistake is expecting anyone to change their mind during a conversation. That is a, such a huge 180 to take for somebody like that is, is just a miraculous experience for someone who's really strong in one narrative and strong in one direction to expect them to change their mind during a conversation. 
yeah. or an interaction or a phone call or a social media exchange, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. The expectation to try and change their mind is, uh, is just barking up the wrong tree. Um, there is a slow process that's needed for someone to change their life. I mean, it takes two weeks or so to change your, 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 your taste buds palate. It takes a long time for me to you know, warm up to a, a brand new looking jacket. I, I will never wear neon. You know, uh, there, there's a lot of ways to come across this, but um, to, to approach this topic, but it's, it's so much more embedded than that. Like you cannot, uh, you cannot change someone's mind in a conversation and you shouldn't try. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mistake and it's very tempting and mm-hmm. it's, it's very encouraging to want to try and it's important to have open debate. But if you're trying to change someone's mind, it's it's you're, you and get them to agree with you on the spot. You it's hopeless. Yeah. Don't even try. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I want to go back a little while. Like, um, I mean, I, I became an adult in the mid '90s. Um, I I remember life before 9/11. Mm. I remember life before the internet. Um, and I remember um, life around the time of uh, George W. Bush and and 9/11 and the and the Iraq war starting in 03. Yeah. Um, you know what? That's when we started to see uh, an evolution. Like the, the at the at the end of the 90s, going into uh, 9/11, when that happened, that was when the world's greatest party ended. Mm. You know, I, I, I joke with younger people saying you missed it. <laughs> you know, um, the the great the world's greatest party started in 1964, <laughs> and it ended on 9/11. Interesting. You know, okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> I can tell you all about it. I got the end of it. I was there. It was oh, yeah. a good time. You yeah. know. Um, but but now we I started to watch the evolution. Go. I, I wasn't calling this an evolution at the time, but I, I, in hindsight, I could see it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the Iraq war happened, and people started to think about race and culture. Mm-hmm. There was the Islamophobe term came up for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, that, that opened up the doorway for the, the feminist movement and the gay rights movement to have more elbow space. And, and get a little more organized. No one was looking at them so much anymore. And then they grew, they built ground and they started building and they started influencing more people in power, more people in politics and more power to them. I have no problem with that. Um, eventually, around that time too, I, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, I was well known in my in my circles. I, I, I had some good times. I, I, I could get you into that party that you wanted to go to. And I, I know, like, and I, I went through some challenges with the loss of my dad, which I don't mm. want to get too much into. But um, when I was going through a hard time, th- there was, th- let me back up a little bit. When the times were good, everyone knew me and wanted to know me and wanted to be my friends. I felt like I had all these wonderful people and all this love and, and everything uh, from all these people. But when times got harder, I noticed that, that those same people were just socially driven. And they weren't there for me. They weren't really my friends. They were just people that wanted a seat at the table. They wanted to get into that party. And I was in newspapers a lot in the early 2000s with my photography. So they wanted to get their band in the paper. Mm. They wanted that attention. I, I know with my name being attached to I know publications, news publications, and me having my camera around my shoulder, uh, they, they would change. I would watch them change in front of me to try and, to try and get 
for me to get them that social acclimation, that social, uh, you know, opportunity that that what we now call that wonderful selfie, which didn't exist then, but mm. um, they they if they would these same people, and that caused me to start looking at uh, what people are more socially driven and what people are not. Um, and I paid attention to that from that time on, uh, even more so than I did at any other period of my life. Um, what is it that, uh, who are these people who are driven by how they stand socially, and who are the people who are driven by what they believe in, what's in their hearts, and mm. what's taking them in their own direction, their own path, as opposed to being a little more tribal. Mm-hmm. The tribal people, for lack of a better term, seem to you know enjoy each other's uh, you know statements on politics. They weren't reading politics. Mm. They weren't they weren't reading into it. They weren't following the news. They were just repeating what their friends said. If that so and so person has a law degree, well then they must know, mm. and they they party the same way I do. Mm. So they they go to the same you know social club as me. So they their their opinion is gonna be okay for me to repeat to my friends because it's not gonna get me into any social trouble, and what I wasn't realizing at the time is is that was the evolution that was the start of an era that eventually grew into what we now look back on as the woke left. Mm-hmm. I think the woke left era is over. What we have now is the woke left have gone a little further into what we can now call. Instead of identity politics and woke leftism, what we got now is um, something called biopolitics. And I, I hope that's a new phrase that, that sticks because I've only heard it from one other person. Okay. And I want to put it out there because I think it's very important to understand where we're at right now. Is we're in a time uh, of uh, woke left has been blurry. I mean, I even heard of um, BLM people in support of something that I would do. That I'm doing, the there's there's no necessarily woke left anymore. That that doesn't really dictate if they're going to take the vaccine or not. Hmm. What we have now is um, uh, a biopolitics era, where your choice on uh, on what you, whether or not you're going to take the vaccine is going to dictate who you vote for, hmm. and that's going to eventually send you into a camp, a political camp, and that's camp is not based on anything democratic other than your choice to take a medical procedure or not. Mm. That is biopolitics. Okay, so uh, bio is like biological politics. Yeah, and, uh, I, that's the best way I can understand it. Huh. And, and I don't have a degree in bioethics, but <laughs> I, I wish there was someone in the room that does, mm. because uh, I, I want to hear what they have to say about it, uh, whether, whatever side of the narrative they're on, because this, this is a much bigger topic than um, choosing a medical decision. When we have biopolitics going on, I wonder if we're going to look back on this era and give it that name, <laughs> yeah. because it's um, it's a way of understanding the division. Well, I mean, just in the terms of ethics, there's no way you can coerce somebody into doing something and call it ethical, in terms of what ethics yeah, are I supposed agree. to mean. That's just not. That's, but, but I think that I tend to think of it more like the split between the different camps that is developing. That the vaccines are one of the elements that has created a larger division, and there's definitely the fanatical on one side and fanatical on the other side. But I don't know if it's the vaccine is the sole determining factor. I think it's just one of a number of factors that 
Well, I think the, I mean, I'm not certain, but from what I've seen over the last 25 years or so, the way people react socially, I think that the driving factor towards any life decision for most people is where they will stand socially. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think, but I think there's like a, almost like a package of things that go along with certain ideologies. And, and mm-hmm. so you, you get a little array of different things you have to sort of you know, accept. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that, that tribal thinking, though, is fundamentally true. 100% I agree with that. And, and, you know, I think about this a lot from terms of my, in my industry, too, because we deal with a lot of the idea of threat dealing with threats, situational awareness and all this kind of thing is we really are a species that was evolved out of prey items, right? We weren't really a predator species. We, we developed some predatory behaviors for sure, but I mean, really we're, we're eaten by other things. And so that social desire to go along with the group is born out of that desire not to get stand out and get eaten by a predator. Yeah, he's like kicked out of your tribe and yeah. Alone, yeah. Well, and, and but and literally get eaten too, because if that's if you're not protected by the tribe and a social animal, you're you're dead. You're not going to make it. Yeah. And so, um, just as a quick example, like there's studies done where um, um, scientists are trying to track zebras. Zebras have a bizarre camouflage because a zebra by itself gets picked out really easily against the background of the situation, but in a herd, the stripes are really hard to pick out individual zebras. And so the scientists are having trouble tracking the individual zebras to learn about their lives, right? So they put a red stripe on it, and that red stripe was visually available to the lions. And so lions could pick that zebra out, and immediately they always got taken. <laughs> and so this is why people don't want to stand out from the herd, is, is it makes you noticeable, right? Yeah, and I, I very much believe that there's some primitive, uh, you know, reactions, some primitive drive to respond in that way. You know, I, I can really understand that there's that primitive need to fit in and be a part of the tribe. I, I accept that, and I think we've all, um, you know, had par- parts of our lives or, you know, departments of our daily lives where we, we, we comply to that. Um, we're social creatures, uh, that's very natural. Um, but what I'm witnessing now is, uh, is two things, like, well, two types of people. Um, a lot of the people who are vocal in the narrative um, have experience, uh, vocal against the mainstream narrative, pardon me, mm-hmm. have uh, an experience or a series of experiences in their lives before COVID where they were outcast socially, either by choice or by accident, or um, by doing what's right and, um, and have been forced to, uh, to hold their ground and either being canceled or losing their friends or you know forced into a divorce or something. There's a lot of people who uh, you know, were, were the uh, social outcasts uh, who are very much comfortable with the uncertainty, the social uncertainty of the time we're in. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, I think that, you know, I don't know if outcast is the right word, um, but I, I think I fit into that a little bit, or maybe a lot, um, because I, I realized in the early 2000s, when I watched, uh, you know, people coming to me to get into the party, and then when life got difficult, they were gone. Mm-hmm. And then when later on, when life got good again, mm-hmm. uh, they were back. Mm-hmm. And they were, the, you know, we never, we always loved you, George. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I know, like, 
you know, now I'm suspicious. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the, the, that's when I started to drift away. I made my tribe a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took a while. It takes, it's a big step to take, especially in your 20s and, and stuff. But I, it took a long time, and it, it wasn't as simple as I make it out to be. Um, it, but uh, I, I started making my tribe a lot smaller and staying in touch with small, with less people and, and realizing that we, we only have a few real good friends in life. The rest are just people we know, some know, we know them better than others. Um, but when people are so driven socially, it's very hard to know what their intent is. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm glad I went through that process because then when, when this COVID stuff happened, I didn't really feel about any uh, concern about any any social ridicule or public humiliation. I had been through that. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's not that bad. It's actually a compliment if you, if you believe in what you're doing. So I, I was very much, I didn't really even give it a second thought that I would have any, uh, you know, I wasn't really concerned with what backlash I might get. Yeah, it's funny. Again, I keep thinking about how you 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 brought up the the, the reference to punk, right? Yeah, the alternative. Yeah, and like, cause I again, I I, I was I wasn't just into like Pantera metal, but I got into like extreme death metal, and I used to play in a death metal band, and like this was like a big part of my life. And you know, try to explain to some person who's never heard of you know extreme death metal what it is, right? <laughs> and like, why do you like that? That doesn't sound like a thing anybody would like. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you're right. It gave me a sense of being comfortable on the outside of the group. Yeah. And then because of that, I'm, it's more comfortable for me to say, oh, I don't like what's going on over there. I don't really want to take on that thing I'm supposed to take on necessarily. I'm more comfortable resisting. I'm not going to pretend to like your music. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, just because everyone's listening to that song, I still think it sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you get more comfortable doing <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, and it, it, I think it also ties into this theme that we've sort of touched on that's a big part of this is if you're not reflecting on yourself to figuring out who you are and what your motivations are, you're more likely to go with the group because it's easier and you don't have to have any sort of contemplation. But you start yeah. to think about who you are and what your relationship to the group is, you stand out. Well, you become more of an individual then too. Yeah. You can actually become who you could really be. And that means you're not going to do what the group necessarily does. And I think that that's actually the story of humanity. Because I, I always think back to like the primitive human being, right? And what's the first human being to put together um, a strat- hunting strategy in a real conceptual way? Like mm-hmm. that would have yeah. happened at one point. Well, that person would be unique. They wouldn't be like the rest of the group. And that inspiration that comes up, that's not for everybody. That's the one person who has that inspiration. You had an interesting inspiration for your job, um, jobless jobs. Right? Where did that come from? Nobody else did it. You did it. And so, you know, it was it because you were able to create yourself as more an individual person throughout your life in certain ways that gave you the sense that you're going to stand alone and push against the narrative? Like, I'm really curious about that with people. And I bring it up with the nurses I've had on that have quit their jobs and I've talked to some politicians. And how does a person get to that point where they're willing to stand up and say, no, I'm going to do my own thing, even if it's not the easiest choice to make? Well... That is such a, I mean, it, it, again, it's never black and white. Everyone's got their own, mm-hmm. you know, situations to bring them to that. I, I wish I could dissect that more. I can only look at myself specifically, but also um, myself and my reaction to, uh, you know, social circles over the years. Um, 
I, I was perfectly fine with missing that party, but I, I was also, you know, fine going there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sure want that memory, but I don't need to build my life around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I was good around people. I'm great. I think I am at least good in a, in a social circles. Um, but I'm also very comfortable alone. Mm-hmm. And um, I, don't, I don't know if that was a developmental thing or if that was uh, an, an innate thing I was born with in my personality. Um, but uh, I, 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 that always felt like a gift. Um, to go away and be alone has been my life's secret weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as I get older, it's grown into a bit of a double-edged sword, but we don't mm-hmm. have to go into that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's always been something I had. It's been that tool I had in my pocket to reset and reflect yeah. and uh, understand where I was doing before and what I want to do next. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, it, and it's, I think it's going to be a part of my life forever. Um, but what, what is it that, that makes us do it? You know, like I, I look at, I've been, you know, Someone's going to laugh when I say this, but I've been noticing the women of the movement a lot. Like, I, I almost said I look at women a lot. Um, Careful. Yeah. Naturally. Um, but, you know, the, the loudest voices in this movement have been women. Hmm. Um, I, I, I haven't measured it. I haven't counted or done a real census on it. But I constantly see women hmm. coming forward and speaking out against the narrative, speaking their truth. Hmm. And it's inspiring, and I wonder where all the men are. Um, hmm. And uh, one, one, narr- one common denominator these women have is their mothers. Hmm. And I mean, uh, granted, there's the, the, the woman I mentioned before who I met at the, at the, uh, who organized the Save Small Business Rally. Uh, she, I don't believe she has any kids. She's, she's, she's not a mom. Uh, she's just not afraid to be an, uh, an, uh, out on her own with the sure. narrative. Um, so it's not all of them, but you know. So it, 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 we got two kinds of people in this movement: is those who are comfortable being or have experience as outcasts, and and those that are moms. Hmm. Interesting. You know, so they they have a reason to think outside the box, and and or they were already wired to think outside yeah. the box. Yeah. And um, all of it comes down to, you know, willingness to take the risk socially. And uh, women are a lot more prone to uh, want to be part of the tribe than, than yeah. men are. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a psychologist. I won't try and dissect that much more than that. But, you know, women are a lot more prone to be a part of the fashion. And they're a lot more prone to want to have a community Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, want to be uh, social, want to interact with people more often. So to see women coming forward and taking the lead in this movement, it really got my attention. Mm-hmm. And every week, every month, I see a new woman coming forward and taking the lead on a new idea and a yeah. new, on a new part of this. Yeah. And it's uh, it's something that we need to really recognize. Okay. Because there's a there's something to be measured in there. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I've often jokingly said that society is the result of women because <laughs> yeah. men would just want to like kill things and eat them raw <laughs> like yeah. if they never evolve at all right but yeah that i i never i'd never would have framed it that way i definitely agree the outcast thing if you're an outcast already it's easy to continue to be an outcast and you have a sense of how to manage that but um 
Yeah, that's really an interesting observation that you see a lot of mothers, especially as a, or, yeah. or even if they're not specifically a mother, the spirit of the mother kind of like coming through them in that mm. way. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, I get it because it's care. And I mean, I did a podcast just where I was talking about, to me, one of the key issues is, is if you're really compassionate, you're not judgmental. And there's that balance is really important to me. Um, and I, I see that as being something that you definitely develop when you're little from your mother largely is your mother's infinitely compassionate to the to the to the infant when it's born right that's her role and then of course hopefully that father is too and it sustains itself but but yeah that that get that is a point of hope i would think in a way because if women and mothers are behind the movement it's going to have an effect it's going to work more than if it was just a bunch of angry men yeah and and, and fortunately there's there are those those mothers uh you know they have kids and their kids are gonna have the, the memory of their mother uh taking the lead yeah uh, on the movement yeah. and to empower them and give them some sort of uh you know to embolden them later in life those kids are going to be emboldened by the actions of their moms so you you sort of half mentioned it but i mean i, I don't know if we can pull much out of this but like do you feel like there's a lack of Leadership from men in general in all this? I do, yeah. Huh. Um, and I'm not going to toot my own horn here because I stand up to pee. But I think that it's traditionally, you know, the, those of us who stand up to pee have been the ones that stand up for freedom too. Yeah. You know, um, but we're in a new time now. And I think, you know, it's not just the motherhood that's been the women, um, but it's also information. Hmm. I believe, you know, going back into, you know, the primitive era, primitive years of our existence, information has always been a woman's currency. Hmm. You know, now a woman can uh, obviously be educated in our Western world and, and, uh, and lead a life of her choice. That uh, there's still a lot of parts of the world that don't have that, and there's uh, a large part of history where women didn't have that either, mm-hmm. and and so they 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 couldn't earn for themselves. Their their currency was information. Mm-hmm. Their safety net was knowing where to go and where not to go, mm-hmm. and who could make a, a good provider. Yeah, and uh, and seeing examples in men while they're growing up as to who is a good provider, what are the good character traits, what are the things that a man says that makes him uh, honorable. Mm-hmm. And that is um, wired deeply into women. I truly believe that. And over the last 10 years, 15 years, I don't know how long it's been since smartphones came out, I've just seen, seen nothing but women, mm. women doing nothing but looking in their phones. Mm. And I thought they were just being social creatures. But in hindsight now, because of COVID, I'm like, they were, they were absorbing information. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> they, were, they were building up their currency, bank, yeah. right? They were, they were growing that information currency this whole time. Huh. And I thought they were just, you know, being social. And maybe more of them, not many of them are. A little bit of both. But, but they, they know that now, now we got this, um, we're in this information battle. And, and coincidentally, the, the currency of women is what the battle is over. And, uh, and that's, pardon me, I'll rephrase that. The currency of women is what, the bow, what, the, what this battle is about. You mean information. Information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Women, currency being the... Yeah, I guess you mean. I, I guess you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I truly believe they're wired for it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, if you think about the primitive setting, the gossip amongst the tribe would tell you what's going on. 
and it was basically the men where the job was to go and confront the lion if it came into the group. That was largely your role, is to stand there and put yourself against the danger. But who would have told you to do that? Probably a woman. <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I think a, a great woman is, is, a, is one who will challenge the man in her life. Um, not in a nagging sort of way, but in a, in a way to bring out the best in him. Yeah. In a way for him to, you know, find out what he's made of. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, uh, a man's role is to uh, take, take the lead uh, when he has to and when he should and, uh, and, and take the risk to, to be the provider. Um, and, and a woman is supposed to encourage that and, and, and make her man and, and help make her man stronger. Well, okay, so, so that's interesting because that's the nucleus of the nuclear family, right? That's the core of the human structure, really. Now, you said that there was a bit of a lack, you feel, of leadership from men in terms of the, of the pushback against the COVID thing. Um, what, what, but there's a bigger issue that that ties into is, you know, like I grew up and the men in my family, especially in the generation beyond my dad, were all like World War II vets and hardcore guys and you know there was definitely some problems with that but they definitely stood up and held their ground and knew what freedom was and cared about their country and and and, and in this way that i just don't see anymore and and so like you know what's happened to men in that sense what's happened in the last 30 years to the idea of masculinity is is doesn't seem good to me it doesn't seem like it's helping i mean i've I've heard all the theories uh, you know too much estrogen in the drinking water. Um, you know, good times make weak men. Yeah. Um, you know, it, that's all fair. Um, but I, I think it comes down to, you know, s- social acceptance for the most part. Hmm. The, the goal of a human in our Western world now is to um, be accepted socially and, um, and, be able to uh, get a selfie in Hawaii mm. or Mexico every winter, you know, and you don't have to work too hard to get that. Mm. And we we forgot about what it like what it means to have to, you know, take your personality and your social risk to a next level. And um, I think this is a, you know, it's it's a terrible time with everyone losing their jobs and. Um, mistrust in the media and the government and all this corruption being exposed but what a wonderful time to be alive and and rediscover this stuff and Mm. um, i've been at a a great vantage point of watching it because as it gets more intense my business gets better um so i i can comfortably watch it all from the helm of jobless jobs and and uh take notes uh file away that email and uh, and and try to piece it together as we go, but I, I think what we're seeing now is um, men having to realize their role again. Mm. Yeah. Well, I like I like, and even if we don't, we just say that humanity in general is just this re-remembering, this reconnecting to what has been sort of blurred and and just taken at a distance. Um, and, and I like how you sort of phrased it as a, as a positive because when you, you know, finish a run and you, you, you sit down and have your a nice glass of water, that water can taste amazing because you've had that experience that yeah. brought you to that. 
And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of hope within the framework of that. And I like the idea that you put all along here that your aim is to be a structure as a company to not discriminate and not allow yourself to get pulled into discriminating for either side of the coin. And then we bring that into that idea, like to connect it to we're talking about with remembering the values that maybe have been lost as a positive. And it's like, that's actually a pretty good direction to go and, and continue to go, hopefully, and, and into the future. Because as I said before we started recording is, I like to try to make sure that the podcast near, near the end of the interview, there's some concepts of solution thinking and in, in a direction that works in that way. And th- this is it right there. That's the perfect nutshell of the whole thing. Have integrity with your business. And that means to not choose sides in terms of these political things, but just help everybody that wants to be helped and is willing to take on the responsibility of self, you know, self-responsibility. And then to remember, I would say even joyously, the values that have been sort of pushed down that have great value for, for us still. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's, a, that's a good way to look at the future, I would think. You know, I think that we have to um, have open conversations. Mm-hmm. We have to accept that uh, we're not going to hear people agree with us in the midst of a conversation. We have to start thinking about not how to change someone's mind, but how to plant that seed of thought so mm-hmm. they can go away and think about it on their own. Mm-hmm. And what's the most gentle, polite uh, way to do that and, and tactical way to do that mm-hmm. as well? Um, not to deceive anybody, but to get your point into their, their mind. And, and, and I think it's through a series of questions and, and, and perhaps a, a reasonable amount of uncomfortable questioning if, if, you, can, you, know, if you can balance that well enough. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's that's a you know a one-on-one interaction, people to people. But there's a bigger version of that as well. Um, you know, I, I I started hearing about the uh, you know started paying attention more to the lobbyists in Washington, hmm. uh, in Washington D.C. Um, the um, the fact that uh, mainstream media is getting government money. Um, Here's a little life hack, and I'm surprised at how many people don't know this. I thought it was obvious. Um, but when you're watching the mainstream news, and you might know this, I don't mean to say this directly to you, but just in general. Like, mm-hmm. if, some, if you're watching the mainstream news, if you're watching the news at night, the 6 o'clock or 10 o'clock news, what you got to do is you, you got to pay attention to what the commercials are, what companies are 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 advertising between the segments of the news mm. because we're we're in a time now where that that news program is is serving their agenda right yeah and that existed a long time ago that existed long before covid yeah and what people aren't realizing is that those news and I hate it when we call them organizations. They're not. They're companies. They're for profit. Mm-hmm. They are making money for profit. Newspapers have shareholders. Mm-hmm. They have to release quarterly earnings. They are not an organization. They are not owned by the people. They're owned by their shareholders. And they have a board of directors that are in charge of making those profits every quarter. And when they're making profits, everyone's happy and they're doing their job. And they have to do that job. It is their job. They have to do it. Yeah. Um, what we have to start 
start doing is, is, is a recognize this as unethical capitalism. I'm a supporter of capitalism, but when certain industries like news and for you know and and jobs like politics can can be legally influenced by a dollar mm -hmm. then we're we're entering into an unethical period and we're long past that point now yes so what we got to do is we got to recognize that news the news being told us the mainstream news is is capitalism it's a company mm. and the same goes with someone who is working in politics. When when you look at someone's political career and they were poor when they started and they stayed in politics their whole life and they're a rich person towards the end of their life, we got to raise a red flag to that. Mm -hmm. you, you shouldn't get rich as a politician. You should be able to serve the people and, and be able to be comfortable in life. But if, if you started off your life uh, making a middle-class wage as a politician and you stayed a politician your whole life and you're in your 60s or 70s and now you're a multi-millionaire going on billionaire, why aren't we raising the red flag at that? That's lobbyists. Mm -hmm. That's lobbyists filling their pockets to get their agenda done. The same thing happens with um, the commercials between the news. The same thing happens in, with lobbyists and politics. So there's that conversation that needs to be had as well. That's when we got to just turn to those people and say, you're, 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 you've betrayed us. Yeah. You've been bought. Yes. And that needs to be understood by more people. Yeah. And it's interesting, I think, because we've had such a blatant corruption of, you know, who, who's driving what in the, in the politics and the media for so long that people have just become numb to it. Yeah. It's normalized. It's normalized. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like... That's going to come to a head, though, because at some point, that interest, which is not for the betterment of society in general, is going to come up against society. It's going to it's happen. It's going to turn around at some point. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's great when those, those guns are pointing away to protect you, but if they turn around and start pointing at you, it's a different, yeah. it's a different feeling altogether. Um, you know, we we got to just open up the conversation to the, the you know, the, the micro and the macro. Yeah. The one-on-one -on -one and the, the big picture. And you said something else that I think is really important about this, and I think it ties into, again, a big overarching theme here is if you have a conversation with someone who has disagreement with you about some of these issues, and you can have a decent conversation, you both learn, you both grow, it's better for everybody. You're not going to change their mind you know, in a single conversation. That's not a reasonable expectation. But the thing that allows that conversation to exist is trust that you're talking to a person who respects you even if they disagree with you, mm -hmm. right? That's huge because right now, so many people, when they pick the side, it's like they don't give the other side the valuation of them as a human being and, 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 that, and that ruins the ability to build that bridge of trust across, right? Yeah. And, and that's, so I think you're exactly right. That that's, we need the uncomfortable conversations, but we need them to be trusting in that sense. So what I've witnessed in the last 25 years is you know, social standing evolved into woke left. Woke left evolved into identity politics. Identity politics evolved into biopolitics. Hmm. And uh, it's come down to the, you know, the nuclear family being split at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. You can't come here because you didn't make the same biological decision as me. You can't come to your mother's 
birthday party. Yeah. You know, you, can, you can't do Christmas with us. Yeah. And when you start to split the kitchen table, um, every single civil war in history has yeah. had that same occurrence. Yeah. The, 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 the topic at hand that drove that country into a civil war was, was at the kitchen table. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. And what is at the heart of what concerned me the most about all of this is that splitting. In yeah. that, you know, you're over there and I'm over here and, you yeah. know, start yelling at each other. And, you know, again, my industry being martial arts, I definitely have a sense of how violence occurs and and all this. And it's like, no, you, the, the whole, one of the big lessons you teach people is you take the long way home to avoid any potential conflicts. You don't want physical conflicts. Mm-hmm. And this is how they get set up. And you go, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go down that path. But then people aren't self-aware. They aren't thinking about the process and how where things go and then they just trust and we get into these conflicts but again i think you've hit the nail on the head on so many important um positive elements in terms of how we can go forward and you know what's interesting too is all of them are, are just simply basically a choice about how you respond to the situation and what you do within that framework it isn't that this guarantees it's going to be a healthy happy positive future but it's what at least gives it the best possibility and then you can also start to avoid the things that really sort of shut down that process and so that's that's really good I, I do like I was saying this to another person the other day about another guy the guy that's walking across Canada oh yeah everybody right. marching to Ottawa yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's like yes there's inspiration coming in through people to do things that are helping somewhat in, in the right direction and it's there you don't have to feel like there's no hope there's nothing there's these things like what you're doing what he's doing that's actually moving forward in a positive way because this goes all the way back to the kind of the beginning of the podcast in a way is um, your, your very interesting journey to develop jobless jobs had you at a moment in time feeling uncertain about your future because of the situation you're in with the company you're working for and all this stuff. And that breeds in people a sense of feeling isolated and feeling alone. And, you know, well, you're not alone. There's a lot of people that are concerned and have frustrations and have issues. And that's a way of connecting. And then through that connection, you can build the bridge. You know, can trust each other. You can have harsh, com- you know, hard conversations if you need to, and we can actually start to move forward in a way that, to me, is a much better future. And I think that that's probably one of the most positive things that uh, that the, I hope the podcast helps people know is that they're not alone if they have these concerns, if they want a different way of going about things, and that there's people like yourself and that are trying to make that possible and trying to actually create that in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. I haven't been trying. I mean, let's let's remember, I was just trying to get a job. <laughs> you know, like it, it's it just it exploded. Yeah. Um, and we've had some, you know, exceptional growth spurts since the very beginning. But we we I just like I didn't I didn't sit back and say here's a company idea here's mm-hmm. a here's a I'm gonna I'm gonna become a CEO and I'm gonna incorporated this idea and and uh and i'm gonna form this brand and i didn't have it all written out and then um and this is me on my journey to executing something pre-planned i reacted to a circumstance and that developed uh, a greater circumstance and i continued to react to to that as well so there's a constant uh circumstance that I'm constantly reacting to yeah. and that's been the evolution of Java's job yeah yeah that's been how we've gotten to seven months later now sure and, and 
the fact the company is being successful is great as, as one thing, but the connection to the idea that there's a community of people, that you're not alone in, in, in mm-hmm. your frustrations, yeah. this, is, this is such an important message, I think, in that. Um, although, you know, there, I know that there's been big rallies and big protests and stuff, but it's funny how people can feel isolated and alone no matter what. It, 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 like that. Yeah, but, you know, to be seen at one of these rallies is potentially a social right. risk for a lot of people. Right. Um, to be a business owner, and all your customers are 100% with the narrative and very quick to put their mask on before they come in. If you see that, and then you want to go to a rally and be seen and risk being seen at the rally. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a lot of people who feel the same way as us who don't go to these rallies. They can't. You see them driving by honking. Yeah. You know, those are the people where you hear their, you hear their, their horn honking. Uh, for the last year, every single rally I've been to, there's been that person just in, in that car that just yeah. by themselves honking and waving and smiling. Well, yeah. they're, they're not at the rally, but they're with us. Yeah. And we're, we're marching for them, um, yeah. and we'll never know their name. Yeah. Um, but there, there is a lot more people out there. And I think what Jabless Jobs has done, one of the things Jabless Jobs has done is, is given those people a sense of hope because they're at home and learning about what's happening on the Internet. And then they, they come across this website that provides jobs for people without asking medical information. And they're like, hey, I understand that. Yeah. That's what it used to be like. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to continue doing that. It's, it's free to apply for a job and it'll always be free. Uh, we only charge uh, the employers to post on our job board. Um, that's that's it like you you can apply for a job for nothing all you need is a resume mm-hmm. um, we're gonna do our best and continue to protect the integrity of the job board we're gonna make sure we, we don't allow multi-level marketing on there mm-hmm. we don't we, we, we make sure that every company on there is a real company and uh, we, if we can't Google them then we're talking to them on the phone um, we're, we're, we're going deep into every single company and making sure that they're legit to protect the integrity and safety of our job seekers, integrity of the job board. And um, <clears throat> we're going to keep going. And uh, now I've seen mandates lifting uh, and, and now we're starting to break sales records. I'm just blown away. My theory was correct, but there was other theories that I didn't think about that are coming to light that are very positive for what we're doing. So there's a lot of hope. Yes, right now, good. there's a lot of opportunity, and it, it's a great time to be an employer looking for staff because these very strong-minded people, these very individualistic pe- thinking people, these people mm-hmm. that are willing to take a social risk, that that got publicly ridiculed in their office, who lost their job, they're available now. Mm-hmm. They're they're up for grabs, and yeah. those are the people you want in your company. Those are the people that you want to lead your crew. Yeah, that's such a good point too. Is if a person has the strength of their individual nature to do this, yeah, I agree with that 100%. So, so what's the main website? Jabblessjobs.work, W-O-R-K. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, jabblessjobs.work. Okay, good to yeah. know. Yeah, And you're on social media? Yeah, we're on, uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, uh, at jobs for all of them. Uh, I've got a getter going now, but I don't hardly use it. We're also mm. on uh, blockchain. Okay. server called Wavio. Well, it's, it's Hive, uh, it's Hive blockchain, uh, but we're on the Wavio social media there. We have a, a social media account and we're on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jobless Jobs and all of them. Uh, Jobless Jobs Recruiting is our, our LinkedIn. Okay. Um, so yeah, we just got a YouTube channel going too. Okay. Well, that's all really good and, and it's really neat to see 
these spontaneous and very positive ways of dealing with the situation we're all in. And I, so I, I want to thank you um, for spearheading such a thing. I think it's a great idea. Oh, yeah. Man. It feels like it just landed on me. And, and I've just done my best to keep, you know, to uh, roll forward with it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, there's, there's, there's a dueling side of this. And, uh, and I think I found a way to balance them out. Like, I, um, there's a wonderful economical opportunity with what I got going on. There's a wonderful business opportunity as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. There's a great window of opportunity that I have here. But on the other side, uh, and, and I have to balance them together, it's a humanitarian effort. Yeah. And so uh, this is where I come down to, uh, if there's a potential communist takeover, I'm fighting it with capitalism, but ethical capitalism. Yeah. You know, um, that's why we kept our team small. Mm-hmm. That's why we, we had to figure out how to monetize um, and, and we're, we're able to sustain ourselves through this business and we all just find our roles. We, we've chosen a lane, we're staying in it and we're, we're moving forward. I support capitalism, but I also uh, want to stress that I, I, I only support ethical capitalism. Yeah. And um, and that's I think the best way to take on this challenge of a potential communist takeover: fight communism with capitalism. I, that, that's a good slogan. I like that. And I wanted to that I don't think I'll have this edited up by tomorrow. But you are speaking tomorrow at the uh, rally, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, it's uh, for those people watching. It's March eighteenth right now. Yeah. And uh, it's a Friday. Tomorrow is Saturday, the nineteenth, uh, and I'm speaking at the World Red Rally here in Vancouver. It's going to be at Jackpool Plaza. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it should be good. We've got a, you know, an example of, of uh, fighting communism with capitalism. Um, I've hired people across the whole country. I'm paying them to distribute flyers oh, yeah. at the rallies, at the worldwide rallies across the country. I'm not asking for volunteers anymore. Cool. I'm done with that. Nice. I'm paying people. When, yeah. I, when I call you and I want you to do something for me, I'm paying you. There's a chance for you to make money. Good for you. Because we're, we're, we're a company now. Yeah. We're incorporated. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm, I've hired, uh, oh, I think it's uh, seven or eight people uh, to distribute flyers all the way to uh, from Halifax, uh, Toronto. We got them in uh, Calgary, Edmonton. Mm-hmm. I got a guy in Winnipeg. And uh, Steve, our IT guy, is doing it in Winnipeg. And um, I'm just uh, I'm going to check my phone after this uh, this uh, podcast to see if I can confirm someone in the Okanagan. Oh, okay. You know, we got we got a few people going around on it. Yeah, we're gonna we're using this opportunity to to market. And fortunately, there's a lot of people who still don't know about us. Yeah. So that means we got a, a greater market to tap into. I bet you do. You I know? really do. So yeah. I, unfortunately, they haven't heard about us yet. But I, it's a positive thing for me because I have a lot of people uh, uh, that I can still reach out to that don't know about us yet. Awesome. Well, you know, I hope. I wish you the best. Um, uh, I really hope to hear more of the story as it evolves too, because it's a very interesting story. I mean, there's a whole side of this that we didn't get a chance to get into where just the opportunity for business comes up and you develop a business and it turns into be more successful than you expect. And that's an interesting story in the entrepreneurial side of it too. And one of the things I try to really impress upon people is you can create a business and if you have the right opportunity in the right situation, and that's often better than a wage job. But that... That's a whole different topic. <laughs> one of, uh, one of uh, my business mentors, he's awesome. His name is Matt. Uh, he, he just does consultation meetings with me once in a while. Um, I'm so grateful for the guy. Um, he told me uh, this is an era, we're in a period of time right now where people contract 
they, they close up and they don't expand anything. They're too scared to expand. But what, what, what they're providing for you is that elbow space. That we're in a time now where it's the best time to try and expand and grow and reach out and take, take space in that elbow space that mm. the people are leaving for you. Mm. That's why I say like what I'm doing was gift wrapped to me by the government. Yeah, I like that take on it actually because I mean in a way that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast and um, finding my own way to try to you know to build up my brand you might say in that sense and as I told you before too before we were recording I do an online class and I'm exploring that world that way too I, I like that take because it it turns a situation that could be looked at in a negative way and turns it into a positive it has that twist that everyone wants to stay the same yeah Everyone, people are, are very troubled with change and that's fair, but that's why they contract. That's yeah. why they close in. Yeah. Um, those of us who are comfortable with change and willing to roll with it, uh, can step back and look at a lot of opportunity in this era that we're in. I like that. I like that. Yeah, and I hope there's lots of reason to be positive. Yeah. I hope people really hear that message and are inspired by it because I think that every single person that does do that, it doesn't have to be politically orientated at all, but just that they take on their life and say, I'm going to do this thing I really want to do that I'm driven to do. It helps everybody. Yeah. I think this era has, has created a lot more entrepreneurs. Yeah. yeah. And we, 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 have, we can't really measure it yet, but in hindsight, we'll see you know, a lot more people are, are going to figure out how to make and sell clothes from home. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, They've always been good at sculpting, but they never they you know they never made it into a business until now. Yeah, and we're gonna see we're gonna hear a lot more of these stories. Okay, well I look forward to that, and um, yeah, and good luck tomorrow at the rally, and good luck in general, and thank you for your time. It's very appreciated, George. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet.